Well, hello, I'm Ryan. I'm the new groups pastor here at the Orban campus, and I am so excited uh, to be here at Tomoka. And for the next four weeks here on Wednesday nights, we're going to be digging in to the book of Philippians. And I'm so excited to be digging into this book because I believe that the truths that God has revealed in the book of Philippians can change your life. It can change your life. And so I hope you come to all four of them here and Cord and I are going to be sharing this series and we're going to be digging into it. And it's remarkable that we have the church of Philippi and that we have the book of Philippians for Paul is on his second missionary journey and he sets out to go back to the churches that he had planted in his first missionary journey. And Philippi was not one of those churches. In fact, here's a little map here. Paul goes up into Asia Minor and he's planning on going back into this area here. But he finds himself here in the middle of Asia Minor. And scripture says in Acts 16 that the Holy Spirit kept him from preaching in this region here. So Paul says, okay, well, I'll just start heading north. And so Paul starts heading north and he gets to an area called Bithynia. And there at Bithynia, he's getting ready to enter. And scripture says in Acts 16, that the spirit of Jesus Christ prevented him from entering Bithynia. It's like, okay, God has something else for me in some other place to go. And so he heads over to a, a coastal town called Troas. And it's there at night in Troas. That Paul has a vision. And the vision is of a man standing and saying, come to Macedonia and help us. And Macedonia is, is here in this region here. So Paul is planning on going here and visiting these churches that he had originally planted in his first missionary journey. But God leads him through the Holy Spirit, through the Spirit of Jesus Christ over here to Macedonia. And it's there that he encounters the people of Philippi. Paul goes to the city of Philippi and he goes down to the river and there's a group of women who are gathered in the city of Philippi down by the river and he proclaims the good news of Jesus Christ. And there's a woman there named Lydia who God opens her heart to respond to this good news that Paul proclaims and she becomes a Christian. And not only does she become a Christian, but her whole family becomes a Christian as well in her whole household. And there we have the start of the beginning of the church in Philippi. And amazing events uh, continue to take place there in Acts 16, and you can read all about them. This church is important because it's geographically from Rome all the way to over, over to the east. It, it, it's a, a, a route here that would be from Rome to the eastern side of the empire, as well as this is the first European church that there is. There's a little trivia for you. First European church that there is. And so here we have it not only going to Asia Minor, but we have it going to Europe as well. And it continues to spread westward. This was an important church. Well, Paul leaves, continues his missionary journey, planning other churches. Uh, over the next five years, he returns at least twice that we know of and visits the people in Philippi to encourage them. And then several years later, Paul is in prison. We don't know whether it's in Rome or Caesarea, but Paul's in prison and he writes back to his friends, the people at the church of Philippi. And so he writes to them and you're expecting this kind of gloom and doom letter. Paul is, is, is in prison after all. And, and so you're expecting this kind of 
doom and gloom letter to come from Paul, but just the opposite happens. This is an, is an upbeat letter for Paul has learned to have joy and rejoice no matter the circumstances. I mean, that's good news for today, isn't it? Paul has learned how to have joy and rejoice no matter the circumstances. And so Paul has this very upbeat letter. In fact, the word joy and rejoice occur over 16 times in this letter in a matter of four chapters. Very upbeat. The church is facing some possible future persecution, always the threat of false teachers and some disunity. And so Paul addresses each of those and implores the church in the face of persecution to stand strong. And the threat of false teachers, be aware of them, that they're out there. And then also, in the midst of disunity, that they would have unity around the headship, the lordship of Jesus Christ. Now he goes on to implore them for their obedience for their generosity and for their giving, for their prayer life. This is a church that's fairly doing well. They're, spiritually speaking, doing okay. Okay to good. Uh, in fact, uh, it's a very missional-minded church. In fact, when I was reading about this church, it reminded me much of Tomoka. I mean, you all, as I've learned more about you, as I've met many of you, I mean, you're a church that prays. You're a church that's, that's generous. You're a church that's missional minded. And sure, every church has issues, just like the church in Philippi had issues, no doubt. And there's no perfect church. But overall, this church is doing relatively okay. If you're Paul, I mean, what do you write to a church? I mean, all the other churches it seems like he's writing to, I mean, they got some major issues. They either got some like moral, like chaos happening that's just like craziness on some weird scale here, or they have some weird theological, heretical, you know, teaching that's going on that Paul has to address and correct. So what, what do you write to a church that is doing okay to good, spiritually speaking? Well, Paul gives him an update of, of how he's doing and, and news about what's happening with him and, and what's happening with Timothy and how he's going to send him and, and all this other stuff. And, and then he encourages them. But there's also a challenge in this letter. For Paul realizes that there is a danger and there is a temptation that when we are spiritually doing okay, that when we are spiritually doing good, There's a temptation that we would stop, that we would settle, that we would let off the gas pedal, that we would just kind of coast, that we would continue to show up and and check all the right boxes and do all the right things and and go through all the motions and, and, and feel like we've attained a certain level of spiritual growth in our life but then just begin to coast or even worse, maybe to begin to drift away. Or maybe you do have some like, maybe life is not okay for you or or good for you. And and like, you know, you, you got some major stuff going on, but you've come to accept that as the normal. Paul has a word of encouragement for us today and a word of challenge I know I found myself in in that place where you kind of get to a certain point and 
things aren't going terrible. Like, you're not involved in any egregious, terrible sins. I mean, you're not perfect, right? I mean, nobody's perfect. And so, you're, but you're not involved like those other people. And, and, and yet, you know, you know, you just kind of let off the gas pedal. Are, are, are you with me here? You just kind of settle. And Paul wants to say to us here, don't settle for less than God's best. Don't settle for less than God's best. He has more for you. There is more that God wants for your life. Don't let off the gas pedal. In fact, Paul, if there was anybody who could have let off the gas pedal, I mean, he's preaching, you know, here and there and planting churches and getting in prison and being beaten for it. And I mean, he's just all over the place. If there was a person that would say, you know, I'm just going to kind of relax. I'm just going to kind of settle back here and just kind of take it easy for a while. But listen to what Paul says in the middle of Philippians here. This is Philippians 3. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal. But I press on. I press on. To take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I'm not, I'm not perfect here. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There's a, there's a truth, there's a reality here that Paul is saying, don't let up. Even me, I'm not letting up. I'm pressing on. I've not already obtained this. I'm going to press on and take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I'm forgetting what is behind and I'm straining towards what is ahead. I'm not going to settle for this mediocre Christian life. God wants more for me. God wants more for you as well. And he's calling all of us. There's more out there. Don't settle for less than God's best. God has a plan, a work that he wants to achieve in your life. There's a prayer here at the beginning of Philippians, Philippians 1, that Paul has for this church. And I just, woo, I love this right here. So Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, the letter begins. Would you please stand for this part here as we read God's word? He says to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every, every time I remember you. I mean, you're, you're my friends. You're, you're doing so good here. I just, I thank God for you. And my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work, a good work in you, will carry on to completion until the end, until the day of Christ Jesus. This good work that, that Christ is doing, this, this justifying work and this sanctifying work, this, this saving work, and this continuing work that God does while we are here on earth. And Paul says, yeah, that's going to, that, God did that work and he's going to complete that work. But there is a realization that the sanctifying work that, that is in our lives where God continues to transform us, 
to make us more and more like Jesus, we can stifle that work. We can let off the gas pedal. He goes on and he, and he says here in, uh, further in, in 1-7, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the, how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer. Now, anytime Paul prays, I mean, you, you want to perk up your ears. You want to, you want to you kind of zero. What's Paul? I mean, this is a spiritual giant. And he's going to be praying for our church. He's going to be praying for me. We want to figure out what Paul's praying for. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge, knowledge of the truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the word of God, and the depth of insight given by the Holy Spirit, so that you may be able to discern what is best, what's most important, what's vital. I mean, not, not only what's bad and what's good, but even out of the good options, what's best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. This is not something we produce, but comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Amen. You may be seated. Let's hop back up to verse nine here and look at Paul's prayer. That your love may abound more and more. That your love would increase more and more. That your love would continue to to well up and, and overflow more and more. That you would be so rich with love that it would just exude out of you. This, this word abound, it's also used in uh, Matthew uh, 14.20 when Jesus is, is feeding the 5,000. And as Jesus is feeding the 5,000, it says that they ate and they were satisfied. They were abounding with food. They had 12 baskets left over and everybody was like, oh, I can't, no, I can't do any more here. I've ate all I can eat. Anybody like food out there? Woo! Man alive, I love food. You put food in front of me, I'm like, thank you very much. God bless you. I love food. Uh, several years ago, I was at a church and I was a campus pastor. And so we were treating our staff for a Christmas holiday uh, celebration. And, and so I decided to treat them to Texas Day Brazil. Anybody know that place? Oh, yeah. Amen, right? Thank you, Texas Day Brazil. And so if you're not familiar with this place, it's kind of a high dollar restaurant. So it's not something you're going to every week like McDonald's. But you go to it, so it's very nice. And you go there and they sit you down at the table. And then they say, we have a salad bar available for you. And so the salad bar is just amazing. Just absolutely amazing. But that's not the real treat, right? When you go to Texas Day Brazil, it's the meat. Any carnivores out there? Oh, yeah. Give me the meats. And so they come out with these guys. And they have these like sword type things. So awesome. And just meat on it. And then they come around to your table. just And, and, and then they slice off. 
this succulent, juicy piece of meat. And they give you this card. It's amazing. I, they give you this card and, and on one side it's green and it says, yes, please. And then on the other side it's res and it, it says, no, thank you. And they explain to you that if you want more meat, you just keep your card on green. And then when you get full, you just flip your card over and you put it on red and, and they'll stop coming by. So one of the interns that was a part of our, our group said to me, oh, you know, I know you like meat, Ryan and everything, but I can eat more than you. Excuse me? I was like, game on. Game on. Like, you know, I could lose that a lot of things. I'm not losing this one. And so I flipped my card over to green, skipped the salad bar entirely. And they're coming over. Would you like some braised beef ribs? Oh, yes, please. Yes. Yes, I would. Would you like some pork barbecue? Why? Why not? Would you like some filet mignon wrapped in bacon? I think so. Yes, please. Would you like some pork loin? Uh, yep, yep. Chicken breast? Yes. And the meats just continue to come. And I have my card on green the whole time. 21 pieces of meat later. I mean, I am full. I am absolutely stuffed. I was abounding with food. But then they came out and they said, would you like some dessert? How can you pass up cheesecake after 21 pieces of meat? The rest of the group was like, oh, I'm I'm too full. I'm like, yes, bring it on. (laughs) More and more and more. I just couldn't have enough. This is the same attitude and mentality that Jesus wants us to have, that Paul wants us to put in practice when it comes to love. That we would devour God's love, that we would feast upon His grace and His mercy. But not only that we would be consumers, that we would also be those who are dishing out love as well to those around us. Oh, would you like some? Le- yes, yes. I, I'm, I am overflowing with love. I am abounding in love. Yes, I can give you some love over here. Oh, yes, yes. Oh, yes, yes. I, yes, I can give you some love. Yeah. What, you want some love? <laughs> right up there. I can, I give you some, oh, oh, I'm going to say, oh, yes, love. Oh. That you would be abounding in love. Paul writes a, a, a similar passage here in Ephesians. Ephesians 3, he says, I pray that out of his glorious riches that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray then that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We read in scripture, God is what? 
God is love. And love is the defining characteristics, characteristic of a believer. The defining character. They will know that you are my disciples by how often you go to church. No. They will know that you are my followers, my disciples, by, by how often times you... They will know that you are my disciples and how you love one another. How are we doing? Like, how are you doing? In a world of turmoil and hate and evil, how are you doing? Have you just maybe, I mean, you're, maybe you're not doing like bad or terrible. Maybe you're just doing okay like the Philippian church and you're being obedient and, and you're praying and you're doing all these things. But you've gotten to a level and you just kind of flatlined. I know that that can become a reality in our lives because I've done it for days, I've done it for weeks, and I've done it for years. And I've had to come back to the truth of the gospel and realize I need to press on. God has more for me. I can't settle for less than God's best. Don't settle for less than God's best. There is more. Now, what is this love that, that, that Paul is, is talking about here? It's not an empty sentimentalism, no. He says in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. This is the kind of love that we are being called to devour. God loves you. And he wants you to come to the feast of his grace and mercy and devour that love to take it in so that you would abound in love, so that you would be overflowing in love and then in turn begin to dish out love to all those around you. Would your, would your spouse... Say, yes, over time, I see him, I see her abounding more and more in love. Would your friends say about you, yes, that person is abounding over the years of more and more in love. I just, I mean, this guy just loves so great and so well. Would, would those who are strangers around you, would, would they leave your presence feeling satisfied with the love that you're dishing out or would they feel starved from the love that you are withholding? The world is in desperate need for Christians to rise up, to not settle for mediocrity, but, but to, to press on so that we would proclaim the message of Jesus Christ and do it with the love that the Holy Spirit has poured into our hearts. And that, my friends, will transform the world. There is a... There is a... Uh, two action steps I want you to take here. Two action steps. Because you may be saying, well, that's great, Ryan. Like... 
I, I feel like I've flatlined. What do I do? I feel like I, I, I want more. I, I, I desire that. What, what action steps should I take? What, what, what should I do? Let me give you two. One, seek. I want you to seek. Uh, here's four passages of scriptures. And without faith, faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that God rewards those who earnestly seek him. If you feel like you flatline, seek God with everything you have. Just begin to seek God. Seek God with everything you have. Second passage of scripture here, Matthew 6, 33. Not only are we going to seek God, but we're going to seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. So we're going to seek God. We're going to seek his kingdom. We're going to seek his righteousness. Next, next, next passage here, 1 Corinthians 10. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. And so we're going to be seeking out opportunities to do good in this world. And then finally here. In Philippians 2, Paul is is talking about uh, Timothy here. He says, I hope in the Lord Jesus Christ to send Timothy to you soon. And watch how he describes Timothy. That I also may be cheered when I receive this news about you. I have no one else like him. I I mean, I got all these people here. But there's nobody like Timothy. Who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests. Not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself. Because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. So we're going to seek. We're going to seek God. We're going to seek his kingdom. We're going to seek his righteousness. We're going to seek to do good to others. We're going to seek to follow the desires of Christ and the welfare that benefits others as well. And then we're going to surrender. We're going to submit. Passage of scripture here says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life, they're going to lose it. Surrender it. Submit. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Uh, I I don't know if you remember uh, this TV show called The Joy of Painting. Anybody remember that show? The Joy of Painting. Somebody's got it here. Bob Ross. Talk about a character here. I just love Bob Ross. I would be flipping through the channels and... He had such a calming voice and presence. And I wasn't a big art guy. Like, I'm a sports guy and, you know, car guy and, and such. I'm not a big art guy. But I would find myself flipping through and stopping on this show. And it was, like, mesmerizing. And, like, a, and like 20 minutes going by, I'm like, what am I doing? And Bob's just up there just, you know, painting away. And I'm just watching it. And I, I'm not painting. I'm not doing anything. I have no intentions of painting. But this guy is so cool. I could just spend forever with him. So Bob, Bob Ross was famous, though. He would get towards the end of his show. And, and he's painted a masterpiece. And you're looking at this painting and he would pause and you're thinking, oh, he's done. He's finished. And then he would say, he would say, well, we're going to add some li- just happy little trees. Huh? You remember that? We're just, just going to add some happy little trees. 
And then he'd just keep adding, you know, just... And then sometimes he'd say, you know, oh, oh, did you see that? Oh, there's a string coming down from the mountain. Oh, there's a little pond tucked away there. I mean, he would just continue. And it's like, you thought he was done with the painting. And it looked good. Like, this can be sold somewhere. And you're thinking, he's, he's got to be finished with this. And he just, he just keep adding a little bit more here and a little bit more here. There's a good work that God wants to do in your life. And you might look at it and say, oh, you know, I've got to a certain peace here and, and I'm done. And God is going, oh no. <laughs> I'm the great artist here and I want to add a little bit more here. I want to add a little bit more here in your life. And he's calling you to seek and to surrender more and more love abounding in your life. Don't settle. Please. Don't settle for less than God's best. There's more. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we are so thankful for Paul and this letter and this truth. And it's so easy, Lord, to just get complacent, to, to just settle, to plateau in our Christian walk. And just drift. And we thank you for the challenge that you have given us tonight to press on. To continue to, to press on and take hold of that for which you have taken hold of us, Lord. To press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called us heavenward in Christ Jesus. The calling that you want your love to abound in us more and more. That we would devour this love and dish it out. Lord, I, I ask that you would stir our hearts tonight. That we would not take this truth and, and, and walk out feeling... Like, we've heard a good message, Lord, or that we heard a good truth, Lord, that we would be doers of your word. That you would shake us up, Lord, that you would stir our hearts, the stone that we have built around our hearts, Lord, that you would break open and penetrate as you proclaim your truth to us, that you want more for us. And we celebrate your love for us, God. And we stand in that reality and that truth, Lord. And may you, through your church, through your body, continue to spread your love to all. Amen. Amen. Hey, have a great night. Thanks for coming out. And hope to see you this weekend and next Wednesday. Blessings.